Grace, mercy, peace, they're all yours. They're all yours in abundance from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. This morning, we're wrapping up our sermon series called Undeserved Love. And over the last three weeks, we've been looking at this amazing grace, this undeserved love that God has shown to us. If you remember in week one, we talked about the cost. And that although for us that love is free, that forgiveness is free, there's nothing we can do to earn it, there's nothing we can do to deserve it, yet it came at a high price for Jesus who had to shed his blood and give up his life for us. Last week, we talked about the coverage, right? This is amazing, it's grace, it's, it's unearned, it's undeserved, but who does it cover? Is it just for good church people that come every Sunday and sit in these chairs? Or is it even for, for those people? Is it even for, for us when we have fallen short of the glory of God? And that's all of us. And we heard how, how even the worst of the worst are covered. Even killers like Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, even for prostitutes like Agnes, and yes, even for sinners like you and me, the coverage is freely given. We are covered by the grace of God. And we rejoice. Well, today, we we, want to talk about, as we close things out today, the duration. Is is there an expiration date on God's grace given to us? And as I thought about that topic, I tried to start thinking about things in life that last. Maybe not forever, but at least forever-ish. And I came across a couple of articles, that, that, and some of them had the same things in them, so, so I wanted to share them with you today. And you can agree, you can disagree with me if they're going to last forever or ever-ish, but this was the first one. A cast iron skillet. Those bad boys last a really long time. I don't even know how long we've had ours, but it almost looks the same as it did the day we got it. You can drop it, you can bang it, you can chuck it, and and it's going to keep going because it's durable, it's strong, and and who knows? Maybe it will last forever. Number two on on one of the lists that I saw, maybe you remember these from from Grandma's house. I do. The first time I saw these, these crazy colored Tupperware things was at Grandma's house, and, and she got them from great-grandma, and then I think probably got passed on to my mom and some of my aunts, and maybe some of you still have Tupperware in your house. Someone's shaking yes, right, because it's durable. It's lasting forever. Maybe you've had it in your house or in your family for 30, 40, 50-plus years. Forever-ish. Number three, another similar one, Pyrex. Anybody have that? Some of you are laughing, but yeah, there we go, right? This stuff will keep going, right? Unless, unless you take it and drop it and it shatters, which may or may not have been done in my own house, that stuff's going to last. Temperature changes, it's durable with all the cooking, and some of you still have it in your cabinets at home. Another one that I thought of was this, right? So again, some of you have these in your homes. I, I, re- I think I remember a commercial one time, too, where they tried to like, shoot one of these, and even when it's rusted, these things just keep working. Finally, the last one, if you don't have a pet in your home, maybe you have no idea what this is, but this is a Kong. 
Again, some of you are laughing because you have them, right? I, I know that the two dogs that we have owned over the years, you give them a, a, a toy and within 30 seconds that's destroyed. But this thing, you can put treats in it, you can play fetch with it, and even something like this, your pet has a really hard time destroying. It's really durable. Now, maybe you would put something else on the list that, that would last forever-ish, but here's the thing that we all know. Nothing lasts forever. All right, no matter how much we might even want it to last forever, nothing does. And unfortunately, we get a little more deep and serious than Tupperware or Pyrex. That family get-together. Some of you are going to do that this week. It's called Thanksgiving, and you're going to gather together, and you're going to enjoy each other's company, a big meal, a glass of wine, good time with family and friends. That's not going to last forever. Eventually, the turkey will be consumed. The relatives go home, and life goes on. That awesome vacation that maybe you were looking forward to for months on end, it gets here, and you enjoy it, but eventually... You have to leave the cabin and come home, right? <laughs> you have to come back to reality because nothing lasts forever. For you kids, maybe it's the Christmas break, it's that summer that seems to go on and on and on, but guess what? Eventually, you have to get back in the classroom, you have to get back to your studies because nothing lasts forever. Maybe some of you, you're in this place in life, maybe some of you look back and you remember this fondly and you're sitting there with your little one in your arms and you're just hoping and praying that you can just push the pause button and stop time, but you know eventually they'll grow. Eventually they will move out, eventually they will go on and live their own lives because nothing lasts forever. At some point, You'll move away, or people you know will move away, and you have to say goodbye. At some point, your body will start to ache, your hair will gray, you'll move a little slower. And no matter how much we don't like talking about it, at some point, you're going to go to a funeral. You're going to stand next to a casket, maybe even of a spouse or a grandparent or a child, and you're going to have to say goodbye. And eventually... You yourself will leave this world. Because nothing lasts forever. Or does it? Right, last week we talked about God's grace covering the worst of the worst. Today we want to talk about God's grace and how long does it last? What's the duration? How long are we covered for? Is there an expiration date? Is it only for a moment? Or will God's grace and mercy in our lives go on and on and on forever? And in order to explore that question, we're going to look at actually each one of our readings today to get our answer. And I don't know if you caught it, but each one of the lessons that I read just a few minutes ago, it was written by the same guy. Did you know that? It was written by the guy that, that the Bible describes as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It was written by a guy 
who according to scripture anyway, we, we, we were pretty confident that he died at natural causes. He, he wasn't put to death like the rest of them were, simply for following Jesus. He was the guy who they say was one of the first to be chosen. And that means he got a front row seat from almost day one in Jesus' earthly ministry to see this amazing grace up close and personal. He saw it when Jesus gave sight to a blind man. He was there when, when a cripple who was, who was laid flat on his back walked for the first time in his life. He was there when Jesus called out in a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come out, and he saw the dead raised. And he was there when Jesus called the people we talked about last week, right, sinners, to forgiveness and grace. He, he, he saw God's amazing love in a real, personal way. And so this morning, John, who wrote Revelation, who wrote the Gospel of John, and who also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, we call them a fancy church word, as epistles, literally means, means letters. And in each of our readings today, John talks about the grace that he saw, and in particular, the duration of that grace. And so in our first one we're going to look at this morning is 1 John from chapter 2. John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now as we look at these verses, I hope it come, becomes clear to you what will not last forever. Did you catch it? All right, the world and the things of this world John says, will not last forever. Eventually, they'll pass away. So, so what is John really getting at? What's he talking about here? Because he's not just talking about a summer that will come to an end and your kids have to go back to school. He's not talking about a family get-together that eventually ends. What does he mean when he says the world and everything in it will pass away? Well, in verse 16, right, he says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, they, they don't come from the Father, they come from this world. So, so John's saying the things of this world that will pass away are those things. It's the things that, that the world craves, it's the things that the world chases after, it's the things that the world puts on a pedestal and says, well, if we have it, if we attain it, if we get there, then we've made it. And what are some of those things? You know, money, wealth, power, titles, degrees, rank, all those things, right? The, the world chases after stuff. It chases after the accolades. It says, if you have these, then you can be happy, then you can be secure, then you can take it easy because you have made it. And here's the deal, we're not immune to that. 
we're not immune to chasing after and holding on too tight to the things of this world that John says don't because they won't last. Maybe the things that that you're tempted to hold on too tight are are different than the person next to you, but, but we all have them, right? Things that tempt us, things, things that allure us, right? Some of us, right, we, we want the praise and the approval of the people around us. Maybe it's our coworkers, maybe it's our family members, maybe it's the people on social media, so we want them to like our stuff and comment. And so we'll do anything to get that approval. Maybe for some of us it's financial things. And we think way more about our financial well-being than about being generous toward God. Maybe for some of us to, to kind of escape or deal with some of the issues of this world, we, we look for joy or we look for peace or we look for comfort in a bottle or binging Netflix or staying so busy with, with maybe it's good things, but we're so busy that we don't actually have to think about or deal with the other stuff. Whatever it is, It's good once in a while to do a checkup on our heart and ask ourselves, are we chasing after the lust, the pride of this world, the things that John says will pass away? Because here's the problem with all the stuff I just mentioned. It doesn't last. It doesn't satisfy. It will never fulfill you. Some people will never like you. They just won't, no matter what you do. Eventually, you have to come home from Disney and go on with real life. Eventually, the, 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 the shows you binge will end. Eventually, you'll grow older. Your kids will leave. Eventually, you're going to have to retire. <laughs> and eventually, you're going to die and have to hand over everything you worked so hard for to somebody who didn't do anything for it. Because nothing lasts forever. So you know what John says to you today? He says, stop. Stop trusting. Stop holding on to the things of this world because they won't last. Enjoy them for what they are because a lot of those are blessings, but stop thinking that they are the be-all and end-all and that they can give you peace, joy, and security because they do not last forever. But there is one thing John says does. John says here in verse 17, the world and its desires pass away. So all the things we mentioned, even the good stuff, it's going to pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So, what is the will of God? if, If we're not careful... We might be tempted to think, well, John's talking about this do's and don'ts. Here's your checklist. If you do what God says to do, you're going to be good. But the problem is we can never check all the boxes. So what is that will of God? First Timothy, Paul tells us, we don't have to search for it and wonder. We're told this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of of the truth. God's will, God's desire, the thing that God wants more than anything else is that all people 
know him, and live. The, the one thing that rises above all else in Scripture, and here we have our, all of our answers, that God wants more than anything else, is that every single person knows about Jesus, the Son who died and rose for them. The one thing that the Father wants more than anything else is, is for all people to know that he did not send Jesus to come and condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If there's one thing that God wants more than anything else, my friends, is that all people might know the love of Christ and be saved and enjoy heaven with him forever. That's what he wanted for your life. That's why at some point God made sure that somebody told your family member, who men maybe told your great-grandparents, who told your grandparents, who told your parents, who told you, who told then your children and your grandchildren and so on, because God wanted you to know about Jesus so that you would live with him forever in heaven. And I think that's why, especially in the New Testament, God talks so much about what our role is as children of God, right? He says, I've saved you. I want you to know it. You know it. You know that you're set free. You know that you're going to live with the king forever because of what he's done. Now you have to go tell somebody. You can't just come here and sit in a chair and say, well, that's it. Jesus says, you must go and tell Right, this is why Jesus says so much, no, it's not about just gathering here and, and, and making sure that we got what we need. He says, no, go and make disciples of all nations. Right, he says, come here to be strengthened, but then leave here to share it because I want everyone to know this truth because I want everyone in heaven. And he calls us to tell them. He tells us to tell them about the undeserved love of God, that love that he has first shown to us that we get to show to the world, whoever that is in your life. It's the same love that John got to witness. Every day he walked with Jesus. Imagine that. like He got to walk and talk and look at Jesus and see love played out every day. And that's the same love that John says to share. John says, stop looking to yourself. If you're looking for peace and security, don't look to yourself, look to him. He gives it freely to you. You're looking for forgiveness and acceptance, don't expect the world to give it to you. Look to Jesus who bought it with his blood on the cross, who pours it out on you freely. Instead of looking to accomplishments or accolades or titles, he says, all those things will fade. But, but your title as child of God bought by Jesus' blood will never fade. And so John says, those things will pass away. Don't hold on to them. Turn from them, repent where needed, and rejoice in the forgiving love of God that is yours by grace. Because grace is something that will never end. And that's the picture you heard about in our last reading from Revelation chapter 7. And it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's one that I think we, we really need to read on a regular basis to remind ourselves of what awaits, especially on the days that we go through so much turmoil here below. 
Because one of, the, one of the most amazing things in John chapter 7 that he says will be forever in heaven is presence with God. Think about that. You will be in the presence of God forever. You will see him as he is. What you now see by faith, you will see by sight forever. Think about that. I've often said, and maybe some people think this is wrong of me to say, but I've often said, you know, when, when I die, when I get to heaven, the first people I want to see, it's not my family. As much as I love them, I'll, I'll see them and I'll rejoice with them, but the first person I want to see, I want to see God. I want to see the face of the one who died and rose for me, and you will get to do that when you get to heaven. Another amazing thing is not what you will get to do, but what will never happen again. Right? Not only in chapter 7, but, but many different snapshots of heaven that the Bible gives us, it tells us will, what will not be in heaven. And it's almost too much for the human mind to handle. Sin and all its deadly effects will no longer exist. You want to know what that means? You'll never get a headache in heaven. Your back will never ache every time you get up as you age because you're getting a little older. That, nope, that's done. You will never be hurt by someone and, and you will never be able to hurt them. No one's going to ever say something nasty about you. No one's going to ever betray you. Gone. And, and you won't be able to do that either. You won't ever maybe fly off the handle and yell at your kids, and those kids will, will never rebel against you. There's no such thing as job losses. There'll be no COVID. There'll be no cancer. There won't be vaccines. There won't be doctors. There won't be ICUs either. And maybe the best thing of all is there'll be no more morgues. Morticians and preachers both will be out of a job because there'll be no more need. Because there'll be no more death. No more mourning. No more sorrow. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more pain. No more broken relationships. All of it will be gone. And that's really good news. Because death and all those other things, they hurt they won't last forever. I was once again reminded of that truth not too long ago when a family member was dying of cancer. About a month or two ago that they had been battling cancer and they were tired. They were worn from the treatments and the, the toll the disease was taking on their body. And they wanted it to be over. They didn't want it to last forever. And it didn't. The cancer is no longer there. It's no longer plaguing them. They're no longer suffering. But you know what remained? God's grace. That grace of God through Jesus that welcomed that broken, hurting, cancer-filled body into his presence and set him free 
because of the grace of God found through Jesus who lived and died for them. That same grace is yours. In a world that, that nothing lasts forever, not even cast iron skillets or Tupperware, God's grace does. It's that grace found in Jesus Christ and even death cannot take it away, cannot diminish it, cannot destroy it because death couldn't destroy him. And so as we leave here today, I want to leave you with these, some of the most powerful words on the pages of Scripture from the lips of Jesus himself. And I would encourage you, write this down, memorize it, get a tattoo if you have to so you don't forget it, put it on a sticky note, right, and hear Jesus say to you today, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Grace. Grace found in Jesus that lasts forever. Grace that is yours without a doubt because of Jesus. Grace that will never run out or expire. It will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen.